a minister once had his congregation a little bit worried when he said to them, I'm now going to show to you that part of my body, which I don't let it out very often, but it leads me into the greatest of sins and into the greatest of temptations. And a few little old ladies pretended to avert their eyes. And he went, does anyone here not have trouble with their tongue? Um, Because if the way you use your tongue is completely under control and completely righteous, well, congratulations, you're the perfect man or the perfect woman. Because James says something, I haven't really considered it that much, but but it's, it's so true that the tongue is the hardest part of our bodies to get under control. And what the tongue says can lead our whole body either into righteousness or into sin. James explains it just like a bit in a horse's mouth and with that bit you can you can steer that horse, a big animal, you can steer it or, or like the rudder of a ship with this tiny little rudder you can steer a massive ship and with your tongue, well, it can lead you, it can lead your whole body either into righteousness or into sin. The tongue is such a very small part of us, it might seem like it doesn't really matter that much. And some of us might think, well, what are words anyway? How can words hurt us and how can words hurt other people? Of course, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words will never hurt me. Well, that's just totally untrue. Words have a great deal of power. They can have a healing power or they can have destructive power. They can be encouraging or they can be discouraging. They can be spirit and life, or they can come from the very fires of hell and lead to death. Words can build up, or words can tear down. They can bless, or they can curse. They can set free, or they can bind us up. Our tongues can be inviting and evangelical, or they can be excluding and repulsive. With our tongues, we can voice purity or profanity. We can sing praises or blurt blasphemy. With your tongue, you can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring life and hope. Or you can spread gossip and lies and half-truths. With your tongue, you can honour or you can dishonour. The tongue is the most powerful part of our bodies and yet the most uncontrollable part. Once your tongue forms a word and it pops out of your mouth, there's no getting that back again. Who among us has not ever said something and then gone, oh, a little bit later on we thought about what we said and we just wish that we could take those words back again, but of course we, we can't. Once they're out there, they're never coming back again. In Proverbs, it tells us not to be too quick to speak. In Proverbs 17, verse 27, it says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Now, sometimes we sort of think, oh, to get in on this conversation, I've got to, you know, to make me look a bit better, I've got to have something to say here. And no, no, no. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. It says in verse 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. That's something that would be good for me, I think, um, to, to learn. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I had a conversation with somebody once. Actually, I've had numerous conversations very similar to it over recent years. 
And this person was telling me about how they don't have a lot of friends in their community because they've said a few things on Facebook that people didn't like. And so they've sort of cut them off. And of course, in the light of James 3 about taming the tongue, well, this is an example of what we say can have long-lasting ramifications for our whole lives. Whether it be verbally when we speak to somebody and the wrong words pop out, or if it be on social media where we, we write something down and and it could possibly be read by hundreds or even thousands of people, the words that we use can have long-lasting consequences. And I have heard so many stories of broken relationships because of what has been written on social media. Our words, whether you speak them or whether you write them, can have long-lasting ramifications that will affect the whole remaining part of your life. Husbands and wives, special word to you. What you say to each other can hurt and wound and tear each other down. Your words can bring honour or they can bring dishonour. In the last few weeks, it's been summertime in Australia, hasn't it? Yeah? Well, the bushfires have been horrendous in Victoria and Western Australia and now Tasmania. On a hot, dry, windy day, one spark, one match, one cigarette butt, one hot exhaust can begin a blaze that becomes enormous and uncontrollable and destructive and deadly. And my tongue can be just like that. And so can yours. One comment about something that we might perceive about somebody else can become a rumour of lies that spreads and takes hold and can sweep through a whole community and destroy a life. Rumours have led people to suicide. But even if it is true, gossip is ugly. Why would we do it? I'll tell you why. It's because with gossip... For one moment, I become the centre of attention because I have this juicy bit of news that the other person is just itching to hear and I'm the centre of attention and I can let it out there. One spark that can set ablaze a forest. Or maybe you might let a few swear words out and soon the kids are copying you. A spark has begun a fire. What about in a church? A few negative statements can get made and it starts to pick up momentum and soon discontent and negativity has invaded the whole church. One spark has become a destructive fire. James describes the tongue as a restless evil, full of deadly poison. They're pretty harsh words, aren't they? Well, it's true. In one church I was in, a widow told me that she will never forgive a certain gentleman because of something that he said to her not long after her husband had died. And yet the thing is that that person who had hurt her, well, he wasn't trying to be hurtful. He was somebody who himself craves attention and so he always had to have something to say and that something always had to be a little bit different to what anybody else would say 
And, and something came to his mind. He said, oh, I'll say that. And then he said it. And once those words are out there, there's no getting them back. And she was deeply, deeply offended. Those careless words created a rift in the fellowship of that church. And to my knowledge, it's still not healed. The tongue is a restless evil. It just doesn't rest. It doesn't stop. It doesn't give up. We have to always be watching our tongues, always trying to restrain them, always trying to control them. The tongue's a bit like the Terminator. Has anyone ever watched the Terminator movies? Yeah, there's a few Terminator fans there, right? In the Terminator, there's a line there that says, it can't be reasoned with, it can't be bargained with, it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you're dead. That's the tongue. It's restless. It doesn't give up. None of us are perfect, and the very last part of us to be perfected is the tongue. And so no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will still have to keep battling the tongue. It will not stop until I'm dead. And part of this battle is trying to understand how other people are going to take what I've said. I might know what I'm saying, but when I say it, how are they going to take it? They might take it differently to what I mean. I might not mean to give offence, I might not mean to belittle them, but my words have done exactly that without me thinking. James says it stains the whole body. Now, that's a reverse of pure religion. Back in chapter 1, verse 27, James said, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. But the tongue is the opposite to that. It stains the whole body. What I say can make me filthy. A dirty joke, bad language, snide remarks, self-promotion, you know, prideful language, gossip, rumour, innuendo, criticism, negativity, deception, lies, dishonouring language. Words are not just words. They stain the whole body. They affect you. And we can be so double-minded in our words that we speak, can't we? We can bless God and say, well, isn't God wonderful? And we come into church and we sing praises. I stand in awe of you, God. But then what do we say about people? People are created in God's image. There's a discrepancy there. When we were living outside of Dolby we put down a bore. And I was very keen to see not just how much water we got, but, but what was the quality of the water going to be like? Was it going to be too salty or was it going to be good for the garden? And I thank God that, yep, when, we, when the water come, it was good water. But one thing I knew for sure was that if it came up as fresh water, it wouldn't be salty the next day. 
Because that bore had one source for the water. And if it was true to its source, if it was fresh, it would stay fresh. And it's the same with our tongues. James says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Of course it doesn't. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Because he was basically quoting from Jesus. Jesus said something so similar back in Luke chapter 6. He said, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure in his heart, produces, guess what? Good. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces, guess what? Evil. And now get this. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Right? What's in the heart comes out of the mouth. You might be able to... Hold it in for a while and, and fool a few people, but if there's, if there's evil in your heart, it'll eventually show in what you say. But likewise, if there's love in your heart, that's going to come out in what you say too. And there is something incongruous about curses coming out of the same mouth that blesses God. They just shouldn't go together. I remember having a conversation with a man who claims to be a Christian and, and he's criticising another Christian because that other Christian had had a go at him about his foul mouth. You see, this chap, when, he, when he's in the company of Christians, his language is pure and, and you just can't fault him, but you put him in with a different crowd and he'll swear like a trooper. How does a trooper swear, by the way? I don't know. Anyway, and, and when another Christian took him to task over it, in his pride, he would just say, well, that's just me. That's just who I am. And the words I use, they don't make any difference anyway. Don't they? And with our tongues, well, maybe you've got issues with swearing. Maybe you've got issues with gossip. By the way, some of us, we might think of the gossips as, you know, we might picture a little old lady somewhere and, you know, a group of old ladies with their cups of tea and they're the gossipers. You know what? The, the worst gossips I've ever come across were in shearing sheds. That's when I used to catch up with all the news that was happening in the community. It was shearing time. Um, we can all be gossips. Maybe we've got issues about criticising people or crude jokes or maybe you just blurt out hurtful things and you're totally oblivious to what you've said. Maybe it's just pride and so we tell stories to make ourselves look good in front of people. Or maybe it's self-justification where we just always have to put our side of the story forward so that we can set people straight. Or maybe it's just seeking the attention of others. You know, we're not content to just stay in the background. We, we have to say something to draw attention to ourselves. Tongue's a bit of a worry, isn't it? And every animal can be tamed, it says. You know, 
I've seen lions and tigers and bears and monkeys. Even reptiles can be trained. But no human can tame a tongue. That's a frightful thought, isn't it? No human can tame a tongue. Just as well God can, hey? God can tame the tongue. Because remember what we said? It comes from the source. It comes from the heart. And God can change the heart. So God can change what comes out of, our, out of our mouths. And so I thank God for the sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit. When Robin and I were first married, and probably even before we were married, she would multiple times in a day chip me for being tactless. Now, I, I know that you all would be going, no, never. Yeah, you, you would find it very hard to believe that I could ever be tactless, but apparently I am. I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but I would say something and Robin would just cringe and then she'd chip me and she doesn't chip me so much anymore. And I still haven't worked out if she's just given up in utter frustration or whether God is actually changing my heart. And I hope and pray that it is the fact that God is changing my heart. Because if he can tame the tongue of the tactless, well, that's a huge blessing for me. So that's a pretty simple and practical message, isn't it, about the tongue and about what we say. And I'm pretty sure that you've probably all got something practical to take home with you, a bit of a project for how you can make the tongue um, bring it a bit more under control. Well, that's one level of the message. Did you know there's two levels to this Bible reading? Did anyone notice it? There's two levels to this Bible reading. One is a message to all of us about how we control our tongue. But the other is a message about leadership and particularly the teaching ministry in the church. Did you notice how the Bible reading began? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. There's a whole other level here about leadership, about teachers within the church. Did you notice that James kept using the word body in the reading? And we know that the church is a body, don't we? To be a teacher in the church, well, it's a blessing, but it's also a terrifying responsibility. Teachers will be judged with greater strictness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, he said, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. It would be better for that to happen than for what will happen. Teaching in the church is a terrifying responsibility. What if we don't get it right? Right. 
For those of you who were in church last week, I don't know if you noticed my nervousness or not, but when I preached on the place of works in salvation, I was, I was almost afraid to give that message. I, I was physically stressed. In the week leading up to it, um, and it's gradually decreasing now, I'm going on holidays after church, by the way, everyone, and I think that stress will just disappear totally then, but but I was stressed. I I could physically feel the effects of the stress on my body. Why was I stressed? Because to be true to the scriptures about faith and works and salvation, I had to try and explain to you how we are saved by faith alone, but faith alone won't save us. Now, that's a pretty tough thing to explain. But at the same time, there are some very strongly held theologies that will try and explain the scriptures away. But that's really clearly what the scriptures are saying. And so I really wanted to get it right. And and I didn't want other teachers to look at what I was saying and and judge me and brand me as teaching legalism. I just want to honour God and be true to his word. Sometimes it is a terrifying responsibility to be a teacher in the church. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Schultze, I hope, I hope I'm not scaring you off of in a couple of weeks when, when you're going to be preaching. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. In fact, if God is calling you to be a teacher in his church, don't you dare put it off. Because God has given all of us talents and gifts and and we have to be using those talents and gifts for his glory. So in this message, if the church is the body, its teachers are the tongue. No teacher is perfect. I'm not perfect. Verse 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. All right, he's talking about teachers and he's using the word we. He's, he's accepting that he is a teacher. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now you realise he's talking now about teachers and the body of the church. He is acknowledging that he himself, James, is a teacher. And he knows that his teaching is guiding and steering the whole body of the church. Now, I suspect he would have had no idea that it would still be happening a couple of thousand years later. That Here he is today. James is the teacher today, teaching us here in St. George as we, as we read what, what he has written And I pray the Lord will make me a good teacher. And I pray that those of you who are teachers may be guided by the Lord in what you teach. Because what we teachers teach can steer the direction of the whole church. If a teacher in the church begins to teach prosperity theology, guess what happens? The church becomes more concerned with money than they are about loving their neighbour. If a teacher in the church begins teaching legalism and the keeping of religious rules and regulations, guess what happens? That church will become more and more legalistic. If a teacher in the church begins teaching that it's all about what we believe and not about what we do, 
that church will become more and more loose in its morals and its standards will lag. If a teacher in the church begins to teach liberal theology, guess what happens? That church will become more and more liberal. And that church will listen more and more to the world and less and less to the Holy Spirit. If the teachers in the church will preach tolerance and love but downplay other parts of the gospel like judgment and sacrifice, the whole nature of the gospel can change in a matter of years or maybe even months. I've had to leave a denomination because the leaders of that church, the rudder of the ocean liner, if you like, were steering that church on a course to destruction. James says the tongue... Right, teachers, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the course of life, and set on fire by hell. As a teacher, if I don't teach what's right, I can be staining the whole body. If I teach lies, as you start beginning those lies, believing those lies, the whole body is being stained. And where does this false teaching come from? It comes from hell. And what are the effects in the church? It stains the whole body. False teachers can stain the whole church. And after a lot of years, God said to me, go, get out of that church. But let's not harp on about the past. Let's talk about the future. If I or any other teacher in Bush Disciples begin to teach rubbish, you make sure you cut the tongue out, eh? Before it stains the whole body. Those who teach have a terrifying responsibility It's so important to get it right. So how do we tell a good teacher from a bad teacher? Well, let me tell you, it's not about our presentation style. It's not about our ability to communicate. It's not about how engaging we are. You can tell a good teacher by their fruit. Do they one minute bless God and praise God, and then the next minute they're swearing their heads off? Do they one minute flatter people and then when they don't get their own way, venom begins to flow? And what about their actions? A good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree will bear bad fruit. You're not going to get fruit off of thorn bushes. You can tell a false teacher by their fruit, but only if we're looking for it. So, that's the second level of the message. Now, the third level. No, there is no third level. Just kidding. I'm going on holidays, everyone. 